Father, thank you for this time now, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit you'd help us to understand these things, help us to see what they mean for us today, help us to see how much we need King Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, where is the human race going to find security and stability? COVID-19 is teaching us the hard way about mankind's ability to solve its own problems. Back in 1963, the then US President John F. Kennedy was speaking to some graduating students at American University about his vision for world peace. If you think about this, 1963, his and other nations were stockpiling nuclear weapons at that point. And he said this, mankind's problems are man-made and therefore they can be solved by man. Man can be as big as he wants. Well, within five months, JFK, of course, had been assassinated and the rest of the 20th century and beyond saw not peace, but more and more violence and misery than he could possibly have imagined. Now, I think this time of COVID is, is challenging that notion that our problems are all man-made, conspiracy theories notwithstanding, and it's uh, threatening all the things we normally associate with security and stability, whether it's the economy or our own finances or health and relationships. These are the places we usually look for uh, safety and refuge as a culture. And, and COVID is pushing us ever deeper into our own individualised silos. And uh, enemies are further and further entrenched in their suspicions of one another. And, and young children are learning to fear other people coming near them. Now, Israel felt exactly the same desire for stability and security as it became established as a nation in the land of Canaan all those years ago. We saw last time that after the birth and calling of Samuel as a prophet, and uh, he's called as what turns out to be the final judge of Israel, Israel then have a number of battles with the Philistines. And through their complacency, they suffer great losses, and uh, then they learn that all they can do is cry out to God and he saves them. And Samuel is clear how all this has happened. So if you've got a Bible, flip back to chapter 7 verse 12. We saw last week they put up a memorial plaque, the Ebenezer stone, thus far has the Lord helped us. And so we arrive at chapter 8 and we begin with a problem here is Samuel and he's getting very old and so he appoints his sons as judges over Israel to be judges after him but well his sons immediately show the problem with the hereditary system in this context because verse 3 they do not walk in his ways so we see straight up hereditary system bad well how do the elders of Israel respond well we've identified there are there are big issues with a hereditary system that would involve the son of the current leader taking power um, after him so what we need is another hereditary system they say give us a king like the other nations hmm well 
That brings us to our first uh, heading. We want a king. Verses 1 to 9. We want a king. Now, this is where it's easy to get a little bit confused, and we need to think clearly. We'll we'll see in a minute, if it wasn't obvious from the, the reading, that God was not pleased that they asked for a king. But having a king is not in itself automatically bad. God has in the past spoken to Israel about what would happen when they asked for a king. So back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, here it is on the screen, chapter 17, verse 14. Uh, What do we read? We see, "When, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and you have taken possession of it and settled in it and you say, let us set a king over us like all the other nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. And then God tells them what the king must and must not do. He must not acquire lots of horses. Uh, He must not have lots of wives. He must hold carefully to God's law. And then uh, in verse 20, in, in, in those verses it says, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. So God has made it clear before that there is a way for Israel to have a king that is not bad. Now people often think that the reason it was wrong for Israel to ask for a king was because they wanted to be like the other nations. But you can see, Deuteronomy 17, in and of itself, having a king like the other nations have a king, that's the phrase that uh, they they use, um, is not automatically bad. The emphasis is on the job description, the character qualifications for the king, not on whether it's right or wrong to ask for a king in the first place. And so back in in, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, it might be a bit surprising to read verses 6 and 7. 1 Samuel 8 verses 6 and 7, suddenly there seems to be a problem with Israel asking for a king. And And the problem is why Israel is asking for a king. The problem is that in wanting a king like the other nations, they are rejecting God as their king. That is the point. Do you see? The big lesson they should have learned from the history of their nation up to this point was that God is their king. God is their leader. God is the one who delivers them from their enemies. That's what they put on the Ebenezer stone at the end of chapter 7. That's what they should have remembered. But fast forward to chapter 12, verse 12. And what we learn is that uh, what what, what prompts this um, request for a king here is seeing Nahash, king of the Ammonites, moving against them. And so despite everything they've seen, they panic and they ask for a king to protect them. But as um, God says in verse 8 in chapter 8, this is how they've always been. So, uh, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now, you might think, okay, well, this is all very well. What does it have to do with being a Christian today? And the point is that we, we might not put it in these exact terms, but we still very often share the same desire that the Israelites had for safety and security, and greatness, and impressive leadership. And the problem is that, like the Israelites, we often seek those things without reference 
to God. We seek them instead of God. So a few years ago, um, there was an iPhone advert, um, and uh, there was a TV thing that went with it as well. But you know, here it is, the whole world could be in your hands. And I think when they actually had the TV advert, they played the song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands which is the, you know, the song about God. He's got the whole world in his hands. But no, no, actually, the, the person who buys an iPhone can have uh, the whole world in their hands. But for many of us, that is the goal. Not, not, not to place our lives in God's hands, but to seize control of our lives with our hands. And, you know, if beautiful Apple products can help us to do that, well, so much the better. See, we think, I can't trust God to keep me safe and secure. I need to find something else. What really gives me security and safety today is my money in the right bank account and my savings in the right pension pot and the right insurance policy and and all the rest of it. And what really makes me worried is the thought of redundancy or serious illness. And the temptation with these things is to think, I can't trust God to help me with this. I need to put my hope in something a bit more practical, a bit more concrete, something that allows me to stay in control. And a king was attractive to Israel because it meant that they didn't have to keep trusting in a God they could not actually see. And uh, that that, that meant that they would stop sticking out and looking odd. So the problem with wanting a king is that they are rejecting God as their king. And now God tells Samuel to spell out the kind of king that they were, what the kind of king that they want will do. What will this king do? Well, here's the second thing then. The thing about a king. The thing about a king. There's a phrase that keeps being repeated in verses 10 to 18. Did you hear it? Can you spot it? hear the word that keeps coming up again and again and again it says about this king warning he will take this is what the king who will reign over you will do he will take your sons and daughters and and make them serve in his army to fight his battles he will take your daughters he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves he will take a tenth of your grain he will take the best of your servants and livestock he will take your flocks and you will you will become his slaves you see the king that you want is a king that takes. And this is how it is so often with things that take the place of God in our lives. The Bible calls them idols. And the thing about idols is they promise everything and they deliver nothing. Worse than that, in fact, they deliver destruction. What we really need, says Israel, is a king who will fight our battles. Then we'll be safe and secure. That will solve all our problems. But, but no, you see, this king won't solve their problems. He will make everything a hundred times worse so that when they finally realise their folly and they cry out to God, verse 18, the Lord will not answer. So can you think of things today that, that promise that kind of security and greatness and yet deliver the opposite? There's there's obvious things, aren't there? People become addicted to to alcohol, to drugs. They seem to offer a good time, and yet they take the best from people, and they leave them a shell of their former selves. See, they don't just 
promise everything, deliver nothing. They promise everything and deliver destruction. Or money and wealth seems to offer success and security and favour in the eyes of the world, and yet it always leaves us wanting more. It's not as safe as we like to think. And a misplaced love of money can take husbands away from wives and wives away from husbands and parents away from children and Christians from their church family. What about the lure of an affair in a marriage under pressure? This new person seems to be everything that my spouse is not. My husband never listens, but this man cares. My wife always finds fault, but this woman is sweet and kind. How many times has a a person walked away from a marriage and lost everything for the sake of a fling with someone which ends after a few months or whatever it is, when both parties realise that a relationship founded on unfaithfulness is far, far worse than a marriage that has a few difficulties that need to be addressed. See, so much was promised. There, was, there seemed to be love, there seemed to be acceptance, there seemed to be delivery from daily battles, and yet what came was misery. Nothing given, everything taken. And the thing about these idols is that very often they can be a twisted version of something good and right. That's why they're so attractive. So the king that Israel wanted was a version of what God had actually promised. He promised them a king. He said, you know, you, you, can have, you, you will get a king. This is the kind of king you, you need. But as we will see later, the king that they needed was the king that God had chosen for them. The king they wanted was a king who promised security like a good king should, but yet a king that would take everything from them in the process. And that's how idols can so often be, whatever it is that we're trusting in. Drugs, well, drugs help pain. Money can do so much good. Sex is a gift from God. Power can be used to change things for the better. And yet in their twisted form, they demand everything from us and they ruin us. And then finally, death itself takes everything. I've been enjoying the musical Hamilton recently. In the words of Aaron Burr, death doesn't discriminate between the sinner and the saint. It takes and it takes and it takes. That is the warning that we need to hear about the king that we want If you seek security and greatness without reference to God, it will take and take and take and take and leave you with nothing. So that's the thing about a king. And then we come thirdly and finally, we still want a king. We still want a king, verses 19 to 22. And here we see the sheer folly of Sin. They hear God's warnings and they still think, yeah, you know what, I know better, we know better. They want it anyway. Do you notice the word listen in this chapter? It pops up a few times. It's literally the word obey. Verse 19, the people refuse to listen to or obey God's prophet. And so three times in this chapter, God's prophet is told by God to listen to or obey the people. Now think about it. The day that we stop listening to God and God starts, starts listening to us, that's not a good day. That's a terrifying day. 
when we stop listening to God and, and he's actually listening to what we want. No, that is awful. That's really bad. We think it's good news. No, it's terrible news. And the following chapters will make that clear. But, but do we believe that? It's easy to shake our heads, you see, at the, at the Israelites as they do this. And we kind of think, you know, what are they thinking? You know, what, what, do they not hear the warnings? Crazy people, we wouldn't do that. But actually, isn't that how we always feel about other people's sin, but almost never about our own? See, this is a picture of our own foolishness, when despite knowing that the road we're heading down leads to disaster, we go there anyway. We were talking about this chapter in our, in our staff meeting earlier this week, and I think, it, I, think, I think it was Corin who said, this isn't a case of missing the small print in what God says to us. This is just a little tiny kind of bit that you might miss. No, this is a case of missing, or in fact positively ignoring, the very large print where it is spelt out in a way that is impossible to miss. No, but we ignore it anyway. And that is so often how it works with sin. We, we, we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to say no to our desires. And, and seeing this and understanding this is important because it should make us do two things. One is to mourn our sin and our rebellion against God for what it is. It, it, it's so foolish that we can't hear the warnings. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge it personally. We need to acknowledge it corporately, together. We are broken, foolish people who want the wrong things for ourselves that will only damage and destroy us. That is one thing that seeing the foolishness of sin as we do here should, should make us do. But the other thing that it should make us do is it should drive us to another king, the king that God has chosen for us, the king that we really need. The extraordinary thing is that in our folly and stupidity and desire for the wrong kind of king and wrong kind of security and greatness, all we deserve is that God should leave us in our folly, he, that he should punish us even. That's what we deserve, and that's what we'd expect after verses 7 and 8, as we heard them before. God says, they've rejected me as their king, which is what they've always done, so that's it, I'm not having any more to do with them. You think that's entirely reasonable at that point, but he doesn't do that. Now, yes, he sometimes withdraws his deliverance to draw them back to him, but in the end, he gives them the king that they need. A king who does not take for himself, but a king who serves for others. Do you remember Mark chapter 10? We heard in the second reading. When James and John ask Jesus for seats next to his throne, for greatness, in other words, what, what, what does Jesus say? Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And that's the kind of king that, that God warns Israel about, the kind of king that takes. But Jesus goes on. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the king that we need, the king who will serve. Now, talk of idols, talk of sin may make us deeply conscious of past mistakes and problems, things in our lives which are continuing unaddressed even right now. But God hasn't left us 
to deal with these things on our own. He's given us the king that we really need. We talked before about JFK. On the, on, on the same day as Kennedy's assassination, on November the 22nd, 1963, just an hour or two beforehand, the author of the Narnia books, defender of the Christian faith, C.S. Lewis, suffered a fall at home and also died. In contrast with Kennedy's optimism about the human spirit, C.S. Lewis was far more realistic. In, in the film Shadowlands, which is about C.S. Lewis, these words are put into his mouth. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of salvation. If you are self-sufficient, you have no need of God. If you have no need of God, you do not seek him. If you do not seek him, you will not find him. See, we cannot solve the problems that we face ourselves, however much we might want to. We need God's king. We need Jesus. So let's pray now. Father, if we're honest, we know we are such fools who, who go after what is bad for us, what is going to make things worse, not better. And we do it despite the kindness of your warnings. And we turn anywhere but you for safety and security. But thank you that then you do not give us what we deserve, but you give us the king that we really need. Thank you that you, give a, you, you gave Jesus the one who served. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we come to him and thank you for the forgiveness for the ways we turned our backs on you. Thank you for a fresh start when we trust in him. And so help us as we seek to live trusting in Jesus as our king to realise that all that we need all our desires and hopes find their fulfilment in him. And so may we turn to him in the face of all that is uh, tempting, all, that, all the ways that we are tempted to look for these things elsewhere. May we turn to him instead because of what he's done for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.